Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So good. Why don't you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. The Lord has uh, just put this on my heart as I was traveling the last couple of weeks. Um, By the way, I'm so happy to um, only have one more trip away before Christmas because I've been missing you. And uh, I just really feel like the Lord wants to um, just for me and the team to just be here every week, just feeding, teaching, ministering. We've had such an amazing year. We're an amazing season of revival. But I, I, I believe that this is just going to increase. It's not going to dissipate. It's not going to maintain. It's going to increase. And I just want to exhort you this afternoon, I'm preaching at our revival service on freedom. And I believe there's more freedom that the Lord wants us to grow in as a congregation. And I want to teach about God's idea of freedom versus the world's idea of freedom and how you can grow in freedom and why that's so critical uh, to sustaining revival. And uh, so this morning, though, I really feel to, to minister out of 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read it together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, which is a word of wisdom. To another, the utterance of a word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits or discernment of spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as the spirit wills so I want to speak to you today and teach on the subject appointed and anointed You've been appointed, but you've also been anointed. And for me, uh, when I was back in the 90s, when I was an intern at my mum and dad's church and I was studying at Bible college and and, a number of people would recognise the grace on my life before I did. Aren't you grateful and thankful for people that believe in you before you believe in yourself and what God has given to you? And often you growing in your calling and your gifting and anointing comes about because somebody else sees something in you by the Spirit of God that you don't see 
And they start to call that out of you so that you can grow up into the fullness of the appointment and anointing that God has for you. But for me, to be honest, back then, I was scared. And so people would invite me to go and preach and to speak in different things in the life of the church. And I remember one time I was scheduled to speak on the Sunday night service. And you wouldn't think that now, after all years of ministry, etc., that, that I'd be scared about this. But I was at that time and all the, the weight of what that meant. And uh, I actually, on this particular Sunday night, scheduled an out-of-town guest speaker to come and take my place. And I don't think I even had the authority to do that. And I may have had a, you know, a conversation with the youth pastor after the event, like, what the heck are you doing? And, uh, but it's so fearful was I that uh, I was actually trying to get others to fill my spot because I simply didn't want to carry that responsibility. And so I was, I'm a reluctant prophet. I'm Jonah running in the opposite direction. Does anybody else be honest and say, yep, yeah, I'm running in the opposite direction. And, uh, and I didn't really have a revelation that I could trust the Father heart of God for me. And so I ended up in the police force for a, a period of time and, and had an encounter with God that really got my attention. But all these years later, I've discovered that what God appoints you to, He anoints you for. With every appointing, there is an anointing in the kingdom of God. And so if God's called you to something, no matter what fear in the flesh or pain of your past or reluctance that you may have towards the call and the gift of God upon your life, I'm telling you today, you need to break out of that fear by the name of Jesus and through the teaching of this word today. And you need to rise up into the anointing of the Spirit of God that is upon your life because God doesn't call you to something and leave out the grace that you need to fulfill that calling. All throughout the Bible, the heroes of the faith were called to great things in the kingdom of God. And yet God gave them the grace, the anointing and the gifting they needed to fulfill their task. You think about Moses called to be a deliverer of God's people in Egypt. He had a stutter. He, all he had was a stick and a stutter. And, uh, and he had all sorts of excuses. He said to God, God, get somebody else to go. Get somebody else. Ever said that? Get somebody else. And he said, Lord, I can't speak properly. Who am I to tell Pharaoh to let my people go? But the Lord anointed him with grace and a measure of, of anointing and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit of working of miracles and the authority in that rod of authority that he was given to fulfill his assignment as the deliverer of God's people. And then you've got people like David who was anointed to be a king and yet God didn't leave out the grace and the gifting of leadership for him to govern and lead God's people in Israel. Then you've got Esther who was called to be a queen but she also was given the gift of faith to go into the king, lay her life down and surrender everything so that she could rescue and deliver God's people. Then you've got people like Elijah who was called to be a prophet. His appointment, his assignment was to be a prophet in Israel at a time when Israel was raging against uh, Jehovah and against Yahweh. And, and yet Elijah was anointed and gifted with words of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, with prophecy to be able to speak the secrets of men's hearts. I want to tell you today what God appoints you to, He will anoint you for. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They are without repentance is what that means. So if God's called you to something, He's going to gift you for it. And he, He's not going to call it back. 
So you can try and ignore it. You can run away from it. But if God's called you to something, he's anointed you for something, he's going to chase you down. And, and there's no better person to chase you down than the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere all at the same time. He knows where you need to be, when you need to be there. And he has set you up to walk in the fullness of his call for your life. And he loves you too much for you to not fulfill your call because there are souls, there are people, there are breakthroughs, there are testimonies. As we heard this morning, what a powerful testimony. Such a blessing. Just we, if that doesn't move your heart, I don't know what will. And, 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 and there are people on the other side of your response of obedience. There are people on the other side of that call and the gift that God has given to you. There, there, could it be that there is a harvest of people that God wants to bring into the kingdom through your life? And even if it's only one, it's worth it, let alone tens, hundreds, thousands. And so too many believers in the modern church, they sit on the sidelines expecting the leaders of the church to win the world around them. When actually that is totally unbiblical. Because as we've already read, that the gifts and the calling of God are given to everyone. And so we as God's people need to understand that every single person in this room today, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're born of the Spirit of God, uh, and, and you call yourself a believer, you have a ministry. You have an anointing upon your life. There is a gift. There is a call that God wants you to uh, develop and grow in and move in. And you may have never thought of yourself as a minister, but in fact, you are. It's called the priesthood of all believers. You and I are the people of God. And so it isn't just the people on the platform who have a ministry, but every single one of us has a ministry. Now, right now, we're gathered here today, and you're being equipped. You're being fed the Word. You're being taught. But in fact, when we leave this place, you're actually going to begin your ministry. You're going to begin when, when we come together. Each one of us brings a, a, a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a prophecy, a gift, something to give away. That's what the Bible teaches. So we gather together to worship. We gather together to celebrate fellowship to, to be fed and equipped, but then we go, we scatter to actually fulfill our assignment, fulfill our appointment, to fulfill our ministry. And you cannot fulfill your assignment if you don't understand the mechanics of your anointing. If you don't understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that is why Paul says in the first verse of 1 Corinthians 12, I don't want you to be uninformed. Meaning, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why? Because ignorance of your gift leads to impotence in your ministry. Ignorance of your gift leads to ineffectiveness in your ministry. So God doesn't want us to be uninformed. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. But He wants us to understand the mechanics and the, uh, the ins and outs of the graces and gifts because God has given to every single one of us a measure of faith and a measure of grace for us to steward and increase as we fulfill our assignments on planet Earth. Now, several years ago, about a decade ago, I, burnt my, I, burnt, I bought my first European car and when I drove it out of the dealership, the dealer said, have you ever driven one of these before? No. Have you ever owned one of these? No. So he said, now listen, 
Uh, these cars are different to the cars that you've driven in the past. Don't try and do anything mechanically to the car. Don't mess with it. Let the experts deal with it. I'm thinking, who does this guy think he is? I'm a bloke. I know how this thing works. I've changed oil. I've done this on cars before. I can work this out. And so we were on a holiday a few months later. The, the oil gauge was getting lower. And uh, so we stopped at the service station. And I said, kids, hop out of the car. Teaching moment. Dad wants to teach you a few things about what to do with the car. And I, the, in my head was playing this record. Don't look at the car. Don't touch the car. Let other people deal with it right and I'm like no no I've got this all covered anybody ever been there who doesn't read the instructions when when you have to you know set something up moi and so I just go and I'll work this out and then you're five minutes in and it's like Simone I need your help and, and so there we are we're at the car and I open it up and I look at it and go I've got no idea what I'm looking at and so I put the oil into the radiator where the coolant should go Thinking, oh, I'm awesome. This is how you do it, kids. This is what you do. Teaching moment, kids. And my ignorance of how the stupid engine works <laughs> meant that I misused it and I abused it. And as we're driving down the road, smoke's going everywhere. And Simone's like, you've done it now. I'm like, it'll sort itself out. And, uh, you know, but how many of us know in life when you're ignorant of how something works, you end up abusing it? Husbands and wives, if you don't know, if you're ignorant of how marriage works, you'll end up abusing it. If you're ignorant of how to steward money, you end up abusing it. It's the same with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we don't understand the gifts according to the teaching of the Word of God and the inspiration of the Spirit of God, if we don't understand how these work in our lives, one, will be afraid of them and not use them. Two will hide them away under the carpet in that weird life group that's all ooky and spooky. And, you know, that's weird gifts. So that goes into the closet. And, and we don't understand the gifts of the Spirit are a revelation of God to the world. And so God wants it on display not to hide it away. Or we will end up misusing it and abusing it and blow people up in the process rather than using the gifts according to how God has taught us to so that it will be a blessing in other people's lives. You see, the Corinthians, the, the group of people that Paul is writing to, were misusing the gifts out of their own brokenness, out of their ignorance, and out of their self-centeredness. And as a result, these gifts were being misused and abused in the congregation, and it was causing all matter of division in the early church because they didn't understand how these gifts were to work together. The problem isn't spiritual gifts. The problem is a lack of maturity in God's people of how to use the spiritual gifts. And so when we make the problem the gift, we develop weird doctrines and ideologies and theologies like cessationism which says that the apostles and prophets died out in the first century and, uh, and that the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the dangerous ones like prophecy, word of knowledge, discernment of spirits, deliverance, ministry, all these sorts of things, that all died out as well. And so when we aren't taught in a healthy way and we don't practice in a healthy way, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we develop false theologies 
and false belief systems about how the gifts are to work. And meanwhile, I believe it's a strategy and deception of Satan to undermine the power of the local church, to influence the greater community at large and the world around us if he can render his, uh, God's people powerless with an ignorance of how things are supposed to operate in the kingdom of God. The Bible says, my people suffer for a lack of knowledge. And so the answer to the misuse of the gifts isn't non-use, it's the proper use. And so what we need to do is we need to build a kingdom culture across Numa Church where the gifts of the Spirit are being taught well, they're being activated effectively, they're being practiced in an intentional way, not just in the four walls of our life group or our ministry area or in the life of the church on Sunday, but we're taking our gifts to the streets. If ever there was a time where the city of Melbourne, the state of Victoria and our nation needs a demonstration of the spirit and of power, now is the time. And so as we come into a place of revelation that everyone who is born of the Spirit has been given gifts of the Spirit and we are to use them, we are to grow in them, we can now be empowered to take them into our everyday lives. There is a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and your natural talents. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities given by the Spirit of God at the time of your spiritual birth. You may not even be aware or conscious of those gifts until the the blindness and darkness of your eyes are, are, are lifted as you come into the light of the gospel and an encounter with Jesus. Uh, Your natural talents or abilities are given to you by God at the time of your natural birth. And so as you cultivate them and develop them, they actually will grow in their strength and capacity to to, uh, be effective. But they are two fundamentally different things. So what does God's Word and the Holy Spirit teach us about the gifts of the Spirit? One of the first things we bump into is that the gifts of the Spirit are diverse in operation. Verse 4 and 5 of our text says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. What is Paul doing? He's drawing a parallel between the diversities of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and thy diversity in the Godhead. That just as there is a Trinitarian nature to God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, so too there is a multidimensional, diverse variety and expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God intended the diversity of your gift to work most effectively when in unity with the rest of the body. That's why verse 14 of the same chapter says, now you are the body of Christ. We're not made up of one member, but of many. Now I think what has happened in the modern church over many years and throughout many different seasons of the church since the birth of the church 2,000 years ago, particularly in a Western culture which celebrates individualism and independence, many believers have bought into the lie of the enemy that says I can fully mature and grow in my gifting all by myself. I want to tell you today that is a fallacy, it is a myth, and it is a lie. Just as psychologists will tell you, it takes a village to raise a child. 
It takes a community of people. This is why we have to fight for the family unit. Because it does take a mother and a father and, and uncles and aunties and influencers uh, in, in a positive environment to help a child grow in their identity. And if you've come from an environment or in an environment of being a single parent or a broken home, or there's an extended family that doesn't have a revelation of this, this is why the church being a covenant family is such a God solution for the brokenness of the family unit in the world around us. So just as in the natural, it takes a village to raise a child, in the supernatural, it takes a church to help you to mature in your faith, and a community of faith to, to complement you with the other gifts of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can grow in the graces and gifts that God has given to us. That's why it's integral to be planted in a local church, part of a life group, serving in the life of the church, because none of us are authorities or laws unto ourselves. It's one of the reasons why we champion five-fold wineskin leadership in this house. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and not just the king and queen that's sort of leading everything as the demigod royalty that's supposed to, you know, make all handout edicts that's supposed to determine what happens in the empire. That's not biblical. What's biblical is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers come together, yes, working with, and under apostolic leadership, but this church celebrates the collaboration of team. I mean, even Hollywood gets this. No longer do you see, you know, sort of like the die-hard Rambos, Terminator sort of thing. Now we have Marvel's Avengers. Now we have the Justice League. Now we have teams of superheroes coming together to change the world because even Hollywood gets you can't do it by yourself. You need other people around you. And so if you bought into this fallacy that you can just be in your room with your Bible and that's all you need. And you don't have to go to church, but you can just follow Jesus all by yourself. I'm telling you, you're missing out on the great adventure of the local church. God hasn't appointed you and anointed you to be a Lone Ranger He's appointed you and anointed you to do life and ministry on journey with other believers. And so I want to encourage you, jump in. Don't hold back. You may have been hurt once in a church in the past. That doesn't mean that you, it's going to be repeat 2.0. And neither does it mean that this church is perfect because you and I are not perfect. But as we journey together with a perfect God and we use our gifts and abilities for the calling that God has given to us, we all will rise. The water levels of faith, the water levels of His Spirit and the water levels of the anointing in the world will rise as we come together in unity. That's why comparing your gift to somebody else's gift is a pointless exercise. We're not here to, co to compete, we're here to complement we're one body made up of many members. And how we complement each other is through a culture of honour. We honour the graces and the gifts that are upon everybody's life. Honour doesn't just go north to leadership. Honour is 360. We honour left, right, below, up, around us. And, and we, we honour the spiritual authority that is upon leaders' lives. And we acknowledge that God is the one who anoints and appoints certain people to lead. Whether you like that or not, that's how God's government works. 
We honour that, but then as a community of faith, we honour each other. There is a culture of honour about who you are, what you carry, and what God has called you to. And so we are not to try and be like anybody else. You make a bad imitation, but you're a perfect original. And so you are to embrace the gifts and the graces upon your life, knowing that the traits of your spiritual mother and father will be reproduced in you, reproduced in your spirit, but you are your own unique identity in Christ and God wants you to rise up with your gifting and your, I'm preaching good today, thank you Jesus. I love it when the Holy Spirit river flows. And so I'm telling you, God is wanting to set somebody free in this room today from being restricted in your anointing, locked away and isolated to just try and grow yourself. Praise God for your devotional life. You need that. Get as many hours in as you can. But you need to come out of that prayer closet and do life and with others and do theology with others. Do you know in the early church they didn't um, uh, discern uh, the theological distinctives of the early church in isolation? They'd hold a Jerusalem council They'd see what God was doing amongst the Gentiles and they'd say, okay, let's navigate this together because it's in the collective counsel of God's people that we get God's heart, God's revelation. Just have you discovered, those of you who may be inclined prophetically, that sometimes it's easier to hear God for somebody else but not yourself? Do you know why that is? Because God doesn't want you to be a revelation unto yourself. Yep, he actually wants you to be interdependent, not independent, not isolated. I get real worried when all I hear from believers all the time is, um, you know, God told me, therefore I do that. And so I'm all for God said tonight, my freedom message, I'll talk about the power of God said, but, but we'll never allow spiritual counsel or authority to speak into that. And they, they assume that they are the fountain of their own revelation. All right. All of us are in partnership with each other. We're all learning and growing together what this means. And so there's a reason why you're not always going to have all the answers for your own life by yourself is because God doesn't want you to become isolated from the rest of the body. Because it's the isolated believer that gets taken out by the enemy. But in the strength of the herd, in the strength of the covenant family, you grow strong. You can fulfill your appointment and you can fulfill your anointing. Is that the time? My gosh, I've got to get moving. Um, The gifts of the Spirit are not only diverse, the gifts of the Spirit are singular in origin. Meaning it is the same God, verse 6, that empowers them all in everyone. Now, in the Greek pneumatikos, where we get our name, pneuma, spirit, wind, and breath, pneumatikos speaks of uh, spiritual. And just as a tire is filled with air, so a spiritual gift is filled with the Holy Spirit. So when it's your birthday, uh, hopefully some special people in your life select a gift out for you, wrap it up, turn up to the party or dinner or your house. They will give you a gift. That's an expression of their honour and affection for you, but they'll give it separate and external to themselves. When God, by His Spirit, gives you a spiritual gift, He does not give you something external to His nature or to Himself. When God gives you a spiritual gift, 
He gives you himself. So when you move in prophecy, it's the Spirit of God prophesying through you. When you are teaching as I'm doing now, it's Holy Spirit, the teacher, that is teaching through me. When you move in gifts of healing, you can move in miracles by faith simply because you're a believer in Jesus. But there are some people who are gifted, especially in the working of miracles and in gifts of healing. When you move in that gift, it's the Holy Spirit miraculously healing and moving through you. And so you need to understand that your gift is not just a revelation of your gift. Your gift is a revelation of God to the world. God has been under lock and key in the modern church for too long. It's time to turn the mute button off. It's time to unlock and unwrap the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's time to take the signs and wonders of the kingdom of heaven to the streets and the highways and byways because God wants to reveal himself. When you share a prophecy, a word of knowledge, when you discern something in the spirit realm, when you go and express your gift of exhortation, when you go and move in whatever gift or grace that you have, do you realize you're moving in supernatural power? You're revealing to the world, to unbelievers, to your work colleagues, the reality of God's love and power in their lives. Let's unwrap our gifts. Let's understand them. Let's learn the mechanics of them and let's take them to the streets wherever we find ourselves. Because what the Spirit manifests in you must edify others through you. Paul says in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the Greek word here in this passage is phanerosis. It means manifestation. In other words, signs and wonders announce to the world God is real. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of the modern church presenting a powerless gospel to the world. I'm telling you, if we really think that having great buildings, cool worship, you know, and, and, and a dude with, you know, split jeans and he's going to win the world, we're dreaming. Might as well just be a t- another TED talk. It means nothing. But these signs shall accompany those who believe. The gospel is is a gospel of power. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's not just a talk. It's not just a song. It's not just a, 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 a musical instrument. It's anointed by the Spirit of God. And the gospel is to be confirmed with signs and wonders. And that's why we will not step away from this, but will relentlessly pursue a gospel that is authentic to the powerful gospel that was revealed to us 2,000 years ago by the person of Jesus and the baptism of Pentecost at the early church. A powerless church presents to the world an inferior view of who God is. But a powerful church moving in signs and wonders presents to the world the reality of who God is. And so what God manifests in me, which by the way, I'm up for all of the manifestations. 
There are some believers, over the last seven weeks, we've had some bizarre, weird, wild, and wacky manifestations. Let me tell you something. God is wanting to stretch, expand your repertoire, your understanding of how He manifests. God is not a God according to your box of religion and how you think He should conform to how the church should be. We've smashed that box. That box doesn't exist in this house anymore. And so that's why I want to preach on freedom tonight because I believe God wants to lead us into greater freedom in not just our understanding of how God works and manifestation of the Spirit, but how we can live out in this freedom in our everyday lives. Okay? We are up for all of the manifestations of the Spirit. Being at, you know, the last few weeks and seeing what God has done, and, and I've got a high threshold for the bizarre, right? A high th- I'm up for all of it because I've seen the testimonies of changed lives as a result. And, and, you, and you can't argue me out of what I've seen God do through what would not be sort of conventional Christian church. Thank God he, he's not into conventional Christian church. I mean, on the day of Pentecost... They were so drunk in the Holy Spirit that the surrounding people said they've been drinking. There can only be one explanation. They're absolute alcoholic wino sods. That's absolutely, they are inebriated, they're intoxicated. And Peter gets up and says, they've not been drinking, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. But they've been drinking of the Holy Spirit. And it's so marked them and it's so transformed that city that 3,000 souls were added to their number. I'm like, get as drunk in the Holy Ghost as what you possibly can. We need thousands of Melburnians and Australians and and people all around the world to be encountering the person of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. It's not about the manifestation. The manifestation is one thing. But what God manifests in you must edify others through you. It must ultimately become about who you're serving and not just simply how am I being served. There are two seas in Israel, the Sea of Galilee, which has an outlet, and the Dead Sea, which has no outlet. The Dead Sea cannot support life. There is no life in the Dead Sea. Why? Because whilst fresh water flows in from the Jordan River, nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. Hence why it's called the Dead Sea. Without an outlet, the salt concentration rises and increases as much as eight times that of ocean water. And so nothing can live without an outlet. I mean, God, even in his brilliance, designed your body to have an outlet. I know it's, you know, weird and a little bit confronting, but it's real. Your body, just as like the body of Christ, is designed to have an outlet in the, in the sense of out of your spirit, if you believe, will flow rivers of living water. Not just one river, multiple rivers, multiple expressions of the work of the Spirit of God. And so an impression of the Spirit without an expression of the Spirit will leave a depression in your spirit. And how many believers are miserable because whilst God impresses upon them in the service, in the life group, while they're having their devotions, they don't give expression to it. And and so there's no outlet. There's no flow of the river of God in their life. 
And so their faith becomes boring, church becomes boring, or, and, and they're like, you know, is anything new happening? And, and, and they start to look for other options because they're simply not giving expression to what the Spirit of God has impressed their hearts with. What you've received today, freely receive, so freely give. This is the key to breakthrough. This is the key to increase. Is whatever you receive, just pass it on. Keep passing it on. If God can get it through you, God can get it to you. Stop worrying about God getting stuff to you. Focus on who, what's in you going through you and God will keep giving you more. We are conduits, not containers of the blessing of God. You're a river, not a dam that contains. You're a river of blessing. You're a river. This applies to finances. This applies to friendship. This applies to encouragement. This applies to the gifts of the Spirit. It applies to every aspect of the kingdom of God. And so your gift isn't for personal admiration. Your gift is not actually about you. My appointment and my anointing is not about me. It's about serving you. It's about serving the, 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 the family of faith and the world around me. And so the Bible says, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So the Lord's not against you going after the manifestation of the Spirit, but He says those manifestations are for building people up. So I want to see God in all of His raw power, glory, goodness, grace, whatever that is. But ultimately, I know that that's got to be directed towards building and empowering people. Not controlling people for my own gain or your own gain. Empowering people to actually in a culture of honour, of collaboration amongst the people of God, to rise up and be God's hands and feet and mouthpiece, the body of Christ in the world. So worry less about your performance. How does this look? Who's recognising my gift? And focus on the purpose of the gift. Focus less on who's recognising your gift. Focus more on who's receiving of your gift. If I make my ministry about my platform and how am I being perceived right now, you will not be ministered to because it's self-serving. Paul said, we are servants through whom you believe, not servants to whom you believe. And this is a fundamental difference between cults and churches. Churches point people to Jesus. Cults point people to themselves. And when churches take on the characteristic of being self-serving, they're becoming a cult more than they're becoming a church. Uh, It's time, it is right, I tell you. I tell you, I've been around, I've seen some things, all right? And I, and I want to tell you, when, when we just keep the focus on Jesus, that's why we sing about Jesus, we preach about Jesus, our model and example is Jesus. So if Jesus moved in power and you're a, a Christian, a little Christ, you are called to move in power. If he healed the sick, raised it, Jesus said, John 14, even greater works than these will you do. I'm up for the greater works, man. If he said it, that settles it. I believe it. Let's make it happen. That's who we're called to be. So, it's, so when you move in your gift, some of us false humility. Oh, no, you know, God, I'm like, no, just get out there. Start using your gift. When people say thank you, say thank you. Don't go all weird on them. But give the glory to God. 
and keep moving and manifesting that which God has put in you. What did Peter say? He said, as each has received a gift, use it, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's manifold grace. And what the Spirit gives sovereignly, we've actually got to pursue earnestly. What did verse 11 say? It said that the Spirit sovereignly distributes according to His will. So there is this sovereign aspect about the distribution of the gifts. I didn't call me or gift me to be apostolic. God did. He didn't grace me with prophetic anointing. God, I, I didn't. God did. He gave me these gifts. Now get mad at me. Talk to God. All right. And, and God gave you your gifts. All right. But then verse 31 of chapter 12 says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Meaning that yes, God sovereignly gives gifts and we're to embrace that, steward that, understand that. But there's also this thing that he places in you called hunger, desire. And he says, I want you to go after that desire, that gift in your life. You know, when we're over at Bethel and um, Azusa Street, I'm there asking God, God, I want a confirmation of this gift in my life. I've been contending to grow in a greater anointing of healing because I just feel God's heart for so many sick people. I want to lay hands and we're seeing miracles, but I'm like everywhere we go, I'm ready for the Peter's shadow goes past and the healing breaks out. And we're hearing amazing stories. I mean, blind eyes opening, all these things happening, but you you can desire for more. You can contend for more. And so one of the Greek words for the gifts of the Spirit is charisma. It means freely given, not necessarily rewarded for good behavior. So the gifts of the Spirit are freely given, not given because you're a good Christian. And some of us are trying to earn our way to power. It's not how it works. Power is not the market share of really holy people. All right? What holiness does, we're holy because He is holy and because holiness, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Holiness pleases His heart and I want to please His heart and I want to be like Him, so I want to be holy. Which, by the way, holiness does not mean that you're miserable. Holiness does not mean that you look like you've been sucking lemons for all of your Christian life and you're judgmental and you're condemning of other people. That does not mean that you are holy. That means you're condemning and judgmental (laughs) and probably carrying a religious passenger that needs to be cast out and set free. That's what it means, right? So holiness is supposed to be a joy. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to be awesome. Why? Because you don't want to do that because you know if you do that, indulge your flesh and your sin nature, you just become a slave to sin. And Christ has died that you may have be free and free indeed. Okay? And so I, I want to live free. I don't want to live a slave. I want to live free. And so I want to be holy because He is holy. But my holiness does not earn me more power. It's not how it works. Power, the anointing of the Spirit, is given by sovereign grace and your stewardship of faith. And what holiness does in our hearts when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it acts like a filter so that the purity, the full potential of your gift can have maximum impact, right? But it doesn't actually give you more gifts. The Spirit gives you the gift, 
And I've seen some dirty, rotten scoundrels in the church, to be honest with you. Some of them could be here. No, I'm joking. I love you. You're all perfect, right? And so um, I've seen some people who've got some less than Christian attitudes. God's used in an amazing way. We've seen them all on TV. God's used them in an amazing way. And yet scandals and different things come out. What's that about? Grace. He who is without sin casts the first stone. All of us get used by God in spite of us. So you don't have to wait until you're perfect before you get used by God. He's just looking for anybody who's got childlike faith, is willing and available. And as we draw closer to him, we become more like him. So rather than trying to earn your way to salvation or to power, it's grow closer to Jesus. You'll become more like him. Study the word of God. Learn about the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to you. Step out in faith and have a go. And watch what God does in your life. I just feel good saying this to you. Because somebody here is getting free right now. Because you need real talk from the Word of God in your life. You need someone with a father and mother's heart to come and say, hey, it's all good. We've all fallen short. But His grace is sufficient. And his grace has given you gifts. And now you can rise up. So the first time I preached, after I got over my fear, the heavens opened. Literally, the Spirit of God broke out. Signs and wonders, deliverance, prophecy. No one taught me how to move in the gifts. I just went with the Spirit, right? At the end of that, people are coming up like, who the heck are you? People who knew me forever, who are you? Your gift will make you look really good. Serious? Under the anointing, you are amazing. When you wake up in the morning without the anointing, <laughs> who the heck, my wife says, have I married? And that's sort of, you know, not really. She's very encouraging. Uh, but, but under the anointing, you look better than what you really are. Right? God is so kind. So that's why you can never assume pride or superiority about your gift or about your anointing, because you didn't do anything to earn it. It's a gift. So that causes you to keep chasing the giver rather than the gift. Desire it, earnestly grow in it, but remember the source. Desire the gifts, but hunger for his presence. Grow in your gift, but chase the giver. And if you will do that, not only will you understand what God has appointed you to do, but that anointing that God has placed on your life will kiss that appointment and testimonies and fruitfulness and lives will be changed in the process. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.